Jones. This show is all about the people behind the science of biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life-saving. Life, life Well, today I am just delighted to introduce Dr. Julie Gilmore. Uh, she is the Vice President and Global Head for Gateway Labs uh, by Lilly, where she has cultivated a distinguished 20-plus year tenure. Her journey with Lilly has seen her ascend through various leadership and scientific roles, demonstrating her versatility and expertise across research and drug development. Um, her many positions include the tenure uh, as Head of Information Sciences and Clinical Operations for Lilly Europe, Global Head of Scientific Communications and Global Head of Portfolio Management for Neurodegeneration and Pain uh, Early Phase Portfolio. Uh, her influence extends beyond her corporate achievements. She serves on the Board of Governors for Biocom California and the Board of Directors for Mozart Therapeutics, along with DTX uh, Pharma. A mentor at heart, Julie dedicates herself to guiding the next generation of scientific leaders through her involvement in several university graduate programs. Her academic credentials are equally impressive with a doctorate in membrane biophysics from Purdue University and a postdoctoral fellowship in drug transport from Indiana University School of Medicine. So, Julie, welcome to this podcast. We're very excited to, to have you uh, discuss uh, some of the things that you've experienced over the course of your career and, um, importantly, what you're working on now. So, welcome. Thank you so much, John. It is, um, it, it's such a treat to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've, I've loved listening to you and, and this podcast, so it's, it's such a treat to be here. Well, I think what it would really be great, Julie, is um, the, for the benefit of the audience, uh, we do like to kind of um, do a level set and maybe you could, uh, for the benefit you know, of our listeners, just describe your current role, what you're working on right now. And I'm really you know, excited to have you share the bold vision you have for Gateway Labs and how important it is for you know, catalyzing innovation, uh, not only uh, within Lilly, but you know, on behalf of patients long term as well. Okay. All right. Thank you, John. I mean, it's one of my favorite topics, Gateway Labs and, you know, what we're trying to achieve at, at Lilly. And long story short, I mean, you, you might know Eli Lilly is based in the, in the Midwest. And, you know, we have a, a really long and, you know, rich history of, of, of partnering and collaborating and in working to engage biotech, but it's, it's not always been the easiest because we are based in the middle of the country versus, you know, uh, on the coast where a lot of, or throughout the world where a lot of biotech is, is emerging. So a few years ago, this concept of developing an incubator or an accelerator, or, you know, frankly, just a new and different way that Lilly can reach early innovation, early science, you know, entrepreneurs, early innovation in biotech companies, this, this concept developed. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at a, a time in my career where I left uh, the corporate center and I moved out to San Francisco and, uh, and decided to, to head up this effort. And it's, it's really been a fantastic journey. So I moved out, we opened our first site in South San Francisco in December of 2019. 
Now we've got a couple of sites in, in the Bay Area. We've got a site opening in Boston next year and, and hopefully San Diego as well. But in short, John, you know, what we're trying to do, like, you know, like a, a lot of pharma is you know, how do you engage early innovation and early biotech companies and, and support them on their journey? Now, how do you help accelerate, at the end of the day, accelerate medicines to patients? And, and what can Lilly do to, uh, to help support that? And that's really the mission of Gateway Labs. And um, maybe you could dive a little bit deeper into the, you know, the the San Francisco site that you launched. What are some of the activities underway there? Um, maybe a little around the interactions that you've that have been enabled, frankly, um, with now those earlier stage uh, innovators, uh, universities, and, and entrepreneurs. What have you found so far with the first site? Yeah. Okay. Um- so again, I'm, you know, maybe I should say, as you start with, Gateway Labs offers companies shared innovation space is what we call it. It's, uh, it's wet lab space. Companies come in and they, they get wet lab space. They get admin, you know, office and small conference room space. And, and that's basically what we offer. They come in no strings attached. We don't take rights. We don't take equity. We don't do anything like that, but we do. We do have an application process, and you know, we try to find companies that are uh, you know a good fit for Lilly. There's a, a scientific interest on Lilly's part, whether that's aligned with our existing therapeutic areas, or you know, we're really interested in companies that are on that that bleeding edge of science, and they're doing things that are super novel and. And perhaps outside of anything that Lily is currently doing, but they they come in and uh, once they're in, then we really do, I guess, to your point, try to engage in whatever it is they might need. Uh, if and if that's if they're fundraising and they are looking for a strategic partner, you know, we evaluate every opportunity for direct investments. Uh, if they if they are interested in a research collaboration or, you know, a more formal, um, more formal scientific support from Lilly, we do that. But at a minimum, we're going to engage scientifically. You know, what, what do these companies need? Do they need um, a consult on an in vivo or an in vitro study design or even a clinical design? Do they need um, a competitive landscape done? Do they want help? Uh, do, would they, do they need access to, to certain cell lines or proprietary assays that Lily might have? We work with every company individually uh, to better understand, again, what do they need to accelerate their science and really, really get off the ground? And that's, uh, that's what we do on a, on a daily basis with our companies. That's really cool. And just, you know, um, observing, you know, uh, one, one, uh, one of the most challenging things, I think, going from a university lab, you know, a faculty idea turned into IP with an ambition, you know, to make an impact, whatever that therapeutic area might be, begin that long journey of trying to, you know, go from really discovery, you know, in into the marketplace. And oftentimes, you know, within the university setting, um, there, there's not as much, uh, um, exposure to the marketplace, you know, so you're oftentimes, um, and, and I think this is changing, but oftentimes, um, 
that lack of exposure uh, can lead to maybe early ideas that if they had exposure to the market, that if they were in a gateway labs where it was surrounded by eyeballs and experienced people, different scientists, people with commercial backgrounds, et cetera, that, that the early shaping of that idea um, and an influence on that from the market side in might actually give that uh, concept a greater chance, you know, of, of survival over that long, you know, arduous path going from discovery to the, to the patient. Yeah. So I would imagine Gateway Labs plays a really important role based on the kinds of things that you're um, involved with there of just bringing the market, you know, to that early innovator. Mm -hmm. I hope I hope so. You know, I, that is definitely the intent, and you've you've articulated our mission well. You know, it's again, it's not just hey, here's here's lab space, and you know, hopefully, it's with a terrific community. We we you know are really careful about the community that we we build at these sites, um, but but more importantly, yeah, what is what can a company like Lilly? Uh, with, you know, upwards of 40,000 employees, uh, you know, long history in, in um, science and research and development, what expertise can we leverage? What resources, capabilities, you know, what, what can we deploy that will, that will help these companies, you know, move forward in a way that they would have really struggled to do perhaps without, without our, our help? So that's yeah, that's outstanding. Definitely the goal. And no, that's uh, I I think it's it's really exciting to 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 watch it. You really begin to come to fruition, and maybe we'll we'll come back to Gateway Labs, you know, throughout the conversation. But um, before we do, I wanted to maybe just uh, step back and learn a little bit more about you and your journey. You know, kind of what started you on on the path of science. You know, what were some of those early you know inspirational points for you that um, got you engaged that uh, that you found to be uh, triggers for you to move uh, down a pathway to ultimately get to where you are today. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh my gosh, where do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm sure like so many people, maybe yourself too, and you know, the other, the other people you've had on this podcast, you know, it, it's so inspiring uh, and especially living out here now in the Bay Area and just, you know, being surrounded by scientists and, you know, people that have embarked on a similar journey. You know, as an undergrad, I was a biology and, and chemistry major. And, you know, I'm sure in, in everybody's story, and, and including mine, there is that one person that takes notice of you. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think I was even pretty fortunate graduating when I did as, as a female, because I had a female that really, you know, kind of took notice and uh, really encouraged me to go on to graduate school. And, uh, and you know, had it not been for that person, I, I who knows what I would have done, but I followed her advice and her mentoring, and she continued to provide that throughout graduate school. But I you know, completed a PhD. I think I was one of the first women through the um, biomedical engineering department at Purdue, and that That's was amazing. a yeah, wow. that was a pretty a pretty great journey. How did that How did that feel? I mean, you really what what a heroic uh, process, honestly. You know, to, to really kind of swim upstream in that regard. How did that? feel i know it has to be inspiring for you know our audience people that would like to follow in your footsteps but like what were what, what were some of your moments along the way maybe highs and lows 
<laughs> well, first of all, somebody would have told me as a, a senior in high school or even even throughout college that I was going to do a PhD in biophysics, I would have thought they were nuts. You know, <laughs> I mean, physics was not my thing. So, you know, I was a, I was pretty intimidated. I have to admit, starting that, like, it, you know, it wasn't my math was not at the time, you know, a strong point. But um, but I I again I was. Having somebody who believes in you, it's yeah. amazing what that does for your confidence. And, you know, when you really start applying yourself, and I'm sure like everybody, it's either a fit or it's not. And it mm. became a fit for me and, a, and an increasing passion. And crazy as it sounds, that degree has has really served me well, not just that degree, but the uh, that field of study has applications in drug development that I would never have, you know, necessarily guessed at the time. And it's been a nice, mm-hmm. broad uh, degree that has, uh, that again, has, has served me well. So one lesson that I learned early in life is to stay open to the opportunities that come to you because you, you never, you never know. And, uh, you know, having, having a bit of courage and a bit of risk taking is a, is a good thing. And being open-minded, like you said, um, and, and I would, you know, carrying forward, you know, with that, uh, the biophysics background and you fast forward to today, you know, uh, physics and bio, the, the merging and convergence of those things are probably never more present than, than, than ever before. So it's, 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 it's fortuitous in, in that sense. And then, you know, your obviously your interactions, you know, with scientists at, at Lilly, but even before that with your, um, your postdoc focus on drug transport. I mean, that's also forward-looking in a, in the sense too. Drug delivery, getting the drug to the site of action. But it's really really cool to see how those things have, have come together. You know, with regards to even the the science and the way biotech is being forged today versus maybe in the early days of you know getting when when biotech was just being born. It's. Uh... I mean, it's it's 100 percent true. And isn't it fun? I'm sure we can all, you know, we can all look back and have these kind of, you know, great stories of of various things that came together. But, you know, for me, this this degree in in membrane biophysics took me from working at our local zoo, figuring out how to freeze elephant sperm because the Indianapolis Zoo was starting to do artificial insemination on elephants for the first time from sperm that was being shipped in from Africa. You know, and I, I, I worked on that, uh, to, which then grew into supporting various, you know, genome resource banks around the world for endangered species, to then hopping over to a couple of, you know, Department of Defense grants working on freezing platelets and red blood cells and, you know, different, different things, which then got into islet cell preservation and mm. then mm. took me to a company like Lilly with such a long history sure. of diabetes. And yeah, it's yeah. just, it's funny to see the, uh, how the, the fabric weaves itself together to develop the career you have now. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and it keeps, it keeps evolving as I, you know, hear, hear you talk it the, the, the chapters keep unfolding, but then just that point around, you know, um, 
thinking about eyelid cells and you think about Lily today and Lily, you know, has always had a strong, you know, and rich history as, it, as it's focused on uh, diabetes. But um, I'm excited to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the recent breakthroughs, you know, looking at the GLP-1 drugs and all, all of what that means and how that's um, coming full circle in, in that regard in terms of its application, you know, to, again, you know, diabetes and, and obviously, you know, even other uh, types of, uh, of patients that, that can be um, you know, um, benefit from from that drug and that program. But first, maybe you could start us um, getting a little bit more deeply entrenched around your experience. Kind of once you got going at Lilly, um, what were some of the things that you enjoyed about that coming out of academia and then getting into industry? Um, what were some of the uh, experiences that you um, had there that uh, you can tell us a little bit more about? And that kind of, again, work towards shaping you into who you are today. Yeah. You know, one thing I would say, and I'm sure, you know, lots of people have struggled with this and there's so many different experiences, but that's a leap, right? To go from academics and, you know, maybe you, you picture yourself, you know, as a full professor or tenure, you know, that's going to be research and grants and that's going to be your life to, you know, going to pharma. That's a, that's a step. And, you know, some of your peers and your advisors support that and maybe some didn't. And I, I kind of had a mix of both. But uh, growing up in Indiana, Lily has always had a pretty exceptional reputation, especially in the Midwest. And when an opportunity um, presented itself for me, it was it wasn't too hard for me to make the decision to, to join. And and I did that not long after finishing my, my postdoc. So I've largely spent my career at Lilly. And I think one of the, the, the amazing opportunities that, that that company has given me is this plethora of experiences. I've always been in research and development. That's, that's been my anchor. But I've, I have jumped around a lot. And uh, I do think, you know, as people are considering their own career options, you know, some of these larger pharma opportunities, that, that's, that's one of the big benefits is getting very different experiences while, mm-hmm. you know, an- anchoring yourself at the, at the, same, the same company. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, uh, and you touched on it in my intro, you know, I've, I've really loved, and I guess one thing I've done that's maybe a little unique is I've, I've kind of jumped between some bigger leadership jobs that maybe aren't as technically focused while still being an R&D, but it's, you know, it's, they're, they've been more people leading organizations to more technical individual contributor, you know, scientific roles. And I've, I've kind of jumped back and forth between, between both of those and, uh, and in various, very, you know, very different, roles, whether that's, you know, been based in Indianapolis and doing early phase drug development to taking a a broader leadership role in Europe and overseeing, you know, various information sciences types of functions to now, you know, leading gateway labs out of the Bay Area. And, and, and again, you know, if you look at what you're doing now, the variety of experiences and leadership roles that you had, you know, have really served you well for you now you're really supporting the next generation of companies with the, the needed 
a, a full portfolio of capabilities and experiences. So that's pretty cool. You know, just even in your own personal journey, let alone the platform and what Gateway Labs can do, you know, and, and is doing with uh, supporting the early stage entrepreneur. What talking about big pharma a little bit, what do you see as big pharma's role in innovation? And maybe if you could, you know, like how has that changed over time? Like when you first started, yeah. uh, what was, what was the role of big pharma in innovation and how has that changed uh, today? Um, in, in its current form, right? Uh, you know, one th- one thing I have to to start with with that is, uh, I, you know, I am I do feel super fortunate to have had the experiences and professionally and personal development that that pharma has been able to give me. That said, I am so humbled every single day coming into Gateway and and working with these early stage biotech companies. I mean, they work harder and more um, innovatively and, you know, they pour their heart and soul into these companies. And, you know, as much as I hope we're helping them, I I have learned a a ton from them just on, you know, being creative and taking risks and how, how do you do things differently than, you know, what's been done in the past. So I, I just have to say it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm so humbled every day by, by the, the people and the companies that I meet. But in terms of, you know, pharma, as opposed to when I started several years ago, you know, at least for Lilly, most of our pipeline was discovered and developed internally. And you fast forward to today in 2023, you know, at least half of our pipeline is now coming from the outside. And, uh, you know, back to what I just said, I think there's a lot of strength that a company like Lilly can bring to biotech. And we have more than an opportunity. We have a responsibility to, you know, to deploy that and, you know, to really, again, help foster and accelerate some of the the amazing innovation that's being born, you know, across the world right now. Uh, And then, you know, equally, I think, um, you know, what what biotech is bringing to to pharma is just this amazing innovation that sometimes just isn't born in a big company like Lilly. And, uh, you know, every day just to see what's coming out of the universities. And, you know, I've been on a a global travel circuit in the last month through Singapore and Japan and, you know, Germany last week. And, I mean, it it is such an exciting time to be Mm -hmm. in this industry. And I think there is, there are some of the most amazing minds around the world trying to figure out you know, treatment options and frankly, cures to diseases that, you know, we're going to see in our lifetime. And I, I, I'm just, I'm inspired and, and humbled and just excited and grateful to be working in this industry right now. Well, it's such an important interface when you think about the synergy between that um, small and growing biotech company um, and collaborating closely with uh, larger pharma companies. It's true 
collaborative synergy that both parties, you know, are contributing and benefiting <laughs> at the same time. I do think it, it sure seems, you know, as I look around the corner, you know, at our labs and just uh, as, as you pointed out, traveling around and seeing different things that are happening around the country and around the world, um, it is a very exciting time for bioscience. Um, wouldn't you agree? And 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 I wonder, um, you know, to, to be moving uh, toward early stage uh, innovation and engagement through Gateway Labs and on up, that's you're getting engaged really early in the process and to some degree maybe earlier than what what has been the classic case of getting engaged later in the drug development pipeline in years past. Is that because the science is one reason for that? The science is moving so quickly and there's science is emerging in many places where it wasn't before, or maybe you could just talk a little bit about those dynamics of why it's such an exciting time to be in biosciences. Yeah. Um, you know, I do, I think there is a few, a, you know, a few reasons for it. I do think that there's, you know, an increasing amount of, of innovation that's, uh, you know, as much as there has ever been in, in the world ever. And, it, and maybe that's due to lots of various things like AI and everything, you know, just there's, there's the modalities, the various disease states, indications, these, the, these ways of, of reaching targets that we've never been able to reach before. You know, I just think there is, there's so much innovation to be developed. Um, that coupled with the fact that I think, you know, as, you, as you've said, John, I think there's a really good um, partnership to be had between, you know, biotech and, and pharma. And I think one, one struggle that we've each had historically is, you know, a, a biotech will develop something to a certain point and be ready to hand it off to pharma, you know, for registration studies and that commercialization part that perhaps biotech never really wanted to to do but um, you know oftentimes it's it's you know it's just not quite in the position uh, for, for pharma to take it so I think you know one one benefit for us to be partnering early is we can help shape these mm -hmm. programs so that that handoff uh, is is better positioned for success. Um, and that that partnership is uh, more likely to happen, frankly, if uh, if we've had earlier involvement. That's a great point. So early influence and kind of the malleability of the program at that point cr creates um, much, much higher yield of translation. Um, that that makes uh, a, a lot of sense, and and I think that will pay dividends, you know, as those collaborations begin earlier in the process. And obviously there's a benefit to the biotech company. You know, the, the challenges that biotech companies uh, face are many fold. Certainly, you know, the scientific risk and understanding what is the right indication, you know, where do we aim this platform? You know, all the other things that go with uh, the, the, the challenges of, of bringing a, a, a technology forward. But, you know, capital is important too. And, and finding partners that, you know, can help support financially some of the companies that are moving forward, whether it be through, you know, a collaboration, you know, or direct investment also can be, you know, a piece of the puzzle that um, is, a, is a benefit, you know, to the emerging companies that, that are moving through the pipeline as well. And to that end, are there, you mentioned that kind of when you're uh, uh, inviting companies into Gateway Labs, 
uh, you're you're selecting them. They're going through an application process. Are there any attributes that you think are particularly important that you're looking for that are standout um, uh, indicators that you know this this is a highly promising opportunity that you know we would like to be you know bringing into our labs that we could both support and also this company has you know um, you know a lot of interesting things going for it. Any like key attributes? Um, yeah, thank you for that. So. You know, as we're looking at companies, we, uh, you know, I'm sure like others, science is leading this decision, right? So we try to go uh, after companies that are, again, just super innovative, they're cutting edge. And again, whether that's aligned to Lily's current strategic, you know, therapeutic areas, or it's something outside of anything that we're doing. Uh, but but we're really interested in the science, and we have a reason to believe that that company can be successful. That's uh, criteria number one. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, beyond that, it's do they have the right kind of leadership team? Is there, you know, is there, do we, you know, is there some level of confidence that this is the group of people that can bring this kind of promising innovation forward? I would say those are the the two key things. The other thing that we uh, really think hard about is we select the companies for these sites. Um, you know, we 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 work hard to build a, a strong community. We want these companies to come into sites like this and thrive. And so we're very careful that you know no two companies are are working on you know too similar of of programs or innovation. And then frankly, also that they're not too similar to anything that we are doing internally, because again, we do, we do want to engage and we want to help. And, um, you know, we, we try to be really careful about that. So I would say those are the, the kind of three key criteria that we look at. And Julie, you mentioned early on that the San Francisco location was the first location and that you're expanding. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the expansion strategy and the role of, if any, geography in your in your choice to kind of um, move beyond your first site? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Bay Area has been such an amazing place to start. And I will say, you know, for a few reasons. When one is the fact that there is such great science here and such, you know, great universities with, with Stanford and UCSF and Cal and others. But, um, you know, this has been a, a really wonderful place to start also because Lilly really has never had a strong physical presence in the Bay Area until we, we did this at Gateway. Um, so that that's made this a really fun place for this uh, for the for this model to, to kind of develop and grow. Uh, the other obvious location in the, the U.S. Is, is Boston. So we'll have a site open uh, in Seaport in August of next year. That's under construction now, and that's actually going to be embedded within Lilly's Institute for Genetic Medicine. Uh, so we'll have a few floors for Gateway, and that'll be uh, within this broader Lilly ecosystem as well. Uh, and then we're hopeful to, to have at least one more site open in uh, in the U.S. next year, hopefully in, in Q1. We're working on the contract now, so I'll be excited about that. But in terms of our expansion, um, we give this a lot of thought. And, you know, we're, we're going to be selective to, to go to places where, uh, again, there's either a really established ecosystem of innovation or there's reason to believe 
that that environment is a good one to foster innovation, even if it's not overly established yet? Is there reason to believe that uh, that that's going to be the next you know big place for innovation where talent wants to go? And so we're we're constantly looking at that. And really, we've 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 developed a framework to evaluate these geographies in a a similar way that we evaluate what's our internal pipeline look like? You know, what do we want to invest in? We're using the exact same kind of methodology to choose geographies for this model. Mm. And the, the other thing I would say is, you know, we're not, we're not overly eager to make this model too big. You know, we're, we're not going to be, this is not going to be a model you see everywhere around the world and, you know, lots and lots of sites this is a highly engaging, you know, model where our companies get direct access to not just Lilly scientists, but our, you know, most senior people within Lilly research. And, right. it, you know, we, we really want this to be an engaging, supportive, collaborative environment. And for that reason, uh, you know, we'll be pretty selective about where we where we put our sites, and and frankly, how big does this model scale? Being very authentic is you know part of that recipe, it seems, and being genuine, and um, and being selective, and, and as you were talking about uh, the similarities between picking location and kind of almost harken back to your time as a portfolio manager, you know, <laughs> ranking, where do we put our resources? It's still probably the same type of analysis that you'd be looking at there. And in a time when um, there is like, we're acknowledging innovation happening in, in, in different places mm -hmm. you know, uh, for, for different reasons that, that the ecosystem is spreading to some degree, um, you know, as institutions really, you know, seek and recruit, you know, uh, the very talented faculty that more often than not are going to a place because they they want to, you know, they want impact. They want to create an idea that will impact a patient beyond just, you know, doing good research and publishing and and uh, in in scientific um, publications. And and so, um, you know, if we, if we go back maybe to the big picture at, at Lilly and pan, pan out, I guess, um, and the recent um you know, culmination of successes that have happened um, with some really important new drugs and and some drugs that you know have seen really good results uh, in in Alzheimer's, for example, um, some real breakthroughs. Um, uh, any comments around just the journey? Um, you know, th th I think I think it's one of those uh, stories of. Uh, over 20 years of overnight success or whatever the phrase is. I mean, those things have been being worked on for many, many years and, you know, many, many setbacks along the way, you know, to get to these outcomes. But could you just maybe uh, comment around how has it been in the last couple of years being part of Lilly um, and its, you know, growth and um, uh, success in developing some really important breakthrough drugs here recently? I mean, again, it's a pretty fun, you know, as I've, as I've mentioned, I've spent the majority of my career at Lilly and uh, have been through the ups and downs. And so it's a fun time to be at, at Lilly. And again, in the industry right now, um, you know, I think you're kind of speaking to our recent uh, approval last week of um, the obesity indication for tercepatide, which is called Zabound. Yes. 
I don't, I still don't know if, if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think that's how they're saying it. And, <laughs> um, you know, our, our other pharma peers that are, are, you know, coming out with, with, you know, similar drugs. And again, what an exciting time to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have thought that, uh, you know, we would be coming up with, with drugs that can really have such a, a impact on the globe. And you think about obesity and, yep. you know, the, the prevalence of that in, in every country and, you know, a struggle that, that so many people have. I'm just, it's just, again, it's, I just find it super inspiring to, uh, to see the treatments that are, that are coming out and, and especially proud that, that Lily's contributing to those, to those options. And you, you mentioned another one with, with Alzheimer's disease. You know, that's, that's one that, as you mentioned, John, you know, that is just pure stick to itness, you know, and the, yeah. the per- persistence and the tenacity that, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, again, speaking to the Lilly drug, that a lot of Lilly scientists and frankly, our leadership had, you know, th- those are expensive studies and mm-hmm. mostly fail <laughs> and yeah. to to uh to continue on that journey despite failure after failure and the cost associated with that and the uh no doubt the 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 pride and excitement that will hopefully transpire when a, that drug gets approved uh you know i I'm, I'm just i think the the whole world gets behind any of these companies and hopefully Lily mm. when, uh, when a drug like that can, can make it to, to patients. No question about it. And I wonder too, just, you know, we talk, you know, sitting here in Chicago and you, you know, with your roots, um, you know, in Indiana and in the Midwest, um, it, it's kind of a Midwest um, stick to story in a way. Um, it's a, it's Lily's a special place, maybe, maybe the only place that would be able to have that stamina and, and stick to as you've described, you know, to, to bring an important, you know, medicine, should it be approved, you know, with, with the results that have been seen so far um, forward. And, you know, does that speak to the, to the culture inside of Lily and to what extent, you know, again, does, I guess I'm getting back to geography and differences in geography. To what extent does geography or culture impact truly unique, you know, innovation that 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 happens, you know, uh, in, inside of these places? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, and you know, culture can, you know, it likely has the the pros and cons to it. But uh, I think I do think one thing about the Midwest is. Yeah, the, the persistence and tenacity that companies might have to have being based there because we are not around our peers. You know, the, the creativity that a company like Lilly has to have to even recruit and develop and retain talent, you know, it, a, a extra thought has to go into that because we're just, you know, we're not based in these places where, you know, talent typically will reside. So I do think, you know, culture and long-term relationships and you know often throughout my career i heard the the comment i think it's been true you know they they hire for a career not just a job and they they do spend extra time thinking about how you'll get developed and what various opportunities do you need to have to ensure you are just stellar at your job one thing um 
that I think is, you know, obviously always been important, but, but increasingly so as we look to kind of continue to scale biotech, you know, cause we uh, obviously both believe Julie that it's, it's such an important industry. It, it impacts, you know, human health and science is moving fast and breakthroughs like the ones we're just talking about are, are really important for, for global health and, and impact. And, you know, to, to really scale the industry, um, inviting new uh, talent into the industry will become important, especially in areas where biomanufacturing and, you know, using and leveraging new tools like CRISPR and gene editing and uh, cell therapies, CAR-T, the buzzwords we we hear about, but it will really be important, you know, for for the next generation of, of treatments. You know, welcoming in a new uh, workforce uh, becomes important and diversity is going to be really critical to, to that. Um, and I'm just curious and comparing notes with you around um, beginning at, at the starting point, which is that startup level, you know, how do you, how do you think, you know, uh, from founder on into board and into the labs, uh, early on, uh, building a diverse team, um, with people with different diverse in every sense of the word, you have different functional backgrounds, you know, different genders, different, um, uh, ethnicities, um, those really are truly representative of ideally, you know, doing something really important and doing something different. Um, to what degree do you think about that as you're scaling uh, Gateway Labs um, in how you're trying to curate that community that you've described and encourage the next generation of entrepreneurs to see how how important and valuable it is to have you know, diverse teams? Yeah, I think that. Um you know, that's been a, a key topic across our industry, across lots of industries, you know, diversity and inclusion. And, you know, what does that look like and why is it important? And isn't that body of literature just super interesting, you know, and, and, and what is the benefit uh, when, when you're able to, to develop a diverse and inclusive team, you know, the outcome really is amazing and and uh it is it is something that we we really think a lot about and it's not just you know racial diversity ethnic diversity or gender diversity but it's diversity in thought and how do you make sure that you're not hmm. surrounding yourself by you know people who think just like you and and you know oftentimes that's adding a lot of conflict frankly that's making the leadership more challenging sometimes when you've got people with, you know, really different personalities and really different ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. And how do you, you know, you do that intentionally in a way that's going to move a team forward more effectively, and you're going to have a better outcome because of uh, the, the overall diversity of that team. And, you know, I think that's a, a leadership challenge for us all to just truly embrace. Yeah, agreed. And and it in the, also kind of thinking uh, with a forward-looking view toward you know, it was important unmet needs in the marketplace. You know, for you know diverse populations and beginning with people that have diverse backgrounds, they're thinking about important business problems early on in that path. And so, you know, it can be also I think a very um, valuable. Um, 
decision to be diverse, whether it be, you know, including, you know, diverse populations in clinical studies uh, that affect maybe only unique uh, and different populations um, becomes important. And I think bringing the science and applying it to a broader demographic by including them, you know, whether it be in the company side, you know, from the boardroom into the into the lab and onto the management team, but then also even in the clinical studies to support the broad application and use of precision medicine into populations that can benefit from it, as you mentioned earlier, not just in the U.S., but around the globe. Completely agree. And, you know, what's been fun, too, and some things that we've looked at is it's not even just the diversity of patients, but are your investigators diverse? You know, how do you ensure that the people running these studies uh, are, yeah. are also diverse and, 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 and contributing at that, at that level, too? Yeah. What, what are things, if you're looking out ahead now, um, and, you know, as, as a scientist um, and as a leader, and you, you kind of are in the catbird seat seeing just a whole range of different new things coming forward um, on, the, on the bleeding edge, as you described earlier on, um, what are some of the things that get you the most excited as you look out over the next kind of 10 to 15 years in terms of areas of focus, whether it be a new modality or, you know, certain disease areas. Um, what are what are some of those things that you're just most excited to uh, see come to fruition here um, in the next uh, couple of decades? Again, where do you begin with that, John? I mean, it's been, it's been <laughs> so much. It's been so much fun. I mean, if if you had told me 10 years ago that Lily would have an obesity drug, you know, that would have been a bit of a surprise. You know, a, a couple of years ago, maybe it was a year ago, we acquired a hearing loss company. You know, that's totally new, but they have such a novel, um, you know, a pr- approach to to um, to hearing loss that is is just incredible and frankly has lots of application across other disease states. So, I think what I get excited about is, again, whether it's a new modality, whether it's AI, whether it's, you know, novel platforms that are getting developed, but how do we, how do we leverage those things to finally treat some diseases that have never had a solution, a treatment, you know, whether that's ALS or, you know, even bringing new innovation to things like MS or, uh, you know, I think that's what I get I get really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. No. Awesome. And, uh, and, and, and I do really, you know, we see now and, and, and again, Lily being a great example, you know, of beginning to reopen the field for, you know, neuro applications. And obviously now uh, the science has moved downfield. There is AI now there, there are, uh, we're building on the, you know, backs of, uh, of, of giants in the sense of, you know, the, what the, the early risks that were taken and, and maybe, um, the science didn't, didn't pan out. Now it's beginning to, uh, materialize. And, and I think that the neuro field will become, you know, hopefully an area that becomes, um, a lot more open in terms of, um, bringing new therapies that can treat patients with a range of different, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, whether it be a rare disease and uh, of the brain, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, diseases like Alzheimer's, ALS and, and MS. Um, before we kind of wind things down, I'm just curious, again, you're, you're a great mentor, you're a great teacher, you're doing this now, um, in, in supporting the next generation of entrepreneur and innovator. Um, what are some, of the key values that you try to trans 
transfer on to the to the next generation? Are there some key things that you know you wake up to every day, or you think about that are north stars for you that you want to try to pass on to um, the next generation of of entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I kind of you know for me personally, professionally, there were, there were maybe these three tenants that I kind of lived by or helped guide my career and guide me personally. And, you know, one was around just that comment we made earlier, staying open, you know, never miss an opportunity for, to learn something new to uh, you know, to be exposed to something you haven't been exposed to. You know, I think that's, that's uh, such an amazing opportunity that this industry in particular exposes scientists to. Um, the second one for me was, it was just travel, frankly, and that's probably getting mm. to the diversity mm. and, you know, just learning as much as you can about people and cultures and mm. ecosystems and, and the world, you know, that's as big as an education as going to college and graduate school and everything else. So I think, you know, getting, seeing as much of the world and, and how it works and, and, and again, science and disease and the impact on patients and people. And, you know, that, that is, is something I live by. And then, you know, lastly, that I'm sure motivates all of us in science is don't miss an opportunity to help somebody. If, if, and whether that's on a really big scale of contributing to drug development or whatever else, or, you know, your colleague that's struggling next, next to you, you know, what, what, what do we do is, as scientists, as employees, as employers, as friends, as colleagues, uh, that those have been my three things that I've learned and I've, I've, I've tried to talk to the people around me about. Outstanding, Julie. Well, it's been really an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. I'm excited about all the work that you're doing. I'm, you know, really uh, thrilled to see, you know, what will come, you know, what will what will emerge from Gateway Labs and Lilly in the next decade. Um, it'll be really cool to look back, you know, on today and the early, um, you know, movement, you know, beginning in 2019 with Gateway Labs and the impact that it will have on Lilly and the impact that Lily will have on patients around the world. It's been a true joy speaking with you today, and um, keep up the great work. Hey, John, thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, thank you so much to you and, you know, the, this this podcast for giving us a voice and a, and a platform to, to share some things, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity. It was, a, it was a privilege to be with you today. My pleasure, Julie. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guests today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratsdounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye. 